Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Please turn with me to John chapter 12. I'm reading from verse 1. John chapter 12. I'm reading from verse 1. Glad you're in church this morning. Isn't it good to be together? It's just great to gather, just great to gather as the church of Jesus Christ. Just great to worship together and um, it's just something very powerful about this. John chapter 12, reading from verse 1, the Bible says, Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Chanel number five, by the way. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave it alone, Jesus replied. I love that. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you're not, you will not always have me with you. And so, Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. As we dive into your word, I pray that you would speak to us. Find every preconceived idea in the name of Jesus. Let there be freedom to speak your word and to receive your word. Let the gifts of the Spirit be in operation, even as I share, Father. Bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. We love you, God. We've gathered together to worship you, but more than anything, we want to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Speak a word into our hearts as individuals and corporately as the church, we pray. And I thank you for what you're going to do today. In the name of Jesus, I pray for everyone watching online. Let them feel your presence right now, Father. And I thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thanks, Jakey. This Sunday, we're um, taking a special offering for the purchase of Bakehouse, as, um, as has already been spoken about. Uh, we just want to encourage you to allow the Holy Spirit to guide you uh, in your giving. I love the scripture that Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 3. He says, For I testify, speaking about the church in Corinth, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. I love that little phrase where it says they're entirely on their own. They weren't coerced into giving. They weren't manipulated into giving. They weren't going to high pressure thing. No, they did it on their own. And listen, listen to what verse 4 says. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. Now they begged them. They said, no, we want to be a part of, uh, of this. And, uh, and I love that. And so we want to give you uh, the opportunity uh, to be a part of what God is doing here at Life Christian Centre in this house on, on, on this particular occasion. So I want to take this opportunity to share uh, on the subject, 
a generous spirit. I want to speak about a generous spirit. And to do this, we're going to look at the story that we read in our text. The Bible tells us that Jesus uh, was invited to a dinner where Lazarus lived. And uh, uh, this was the Lazarus, by the way, that Jesus had raised from the dead uh, a few weeks earlier. Uh, can you imagine him sitting at the table having dinner? I mean, this guy was dead a few weeks ago, right? And now he's at the table uh, eating uh, dinner with them. Mar- Martha is serving um, because later on she's going to do a whole cooking thing. You know, uh, Martha Stewart. She, she's going to be doing a whole cooking show and everything. So she's practicing right there. And uh, while this happened, Mary came and poured an expensive bottle of perfume on Jesus' feet. To help you understand how expensive the perfume was, the new New International Virgin actually, Virgin actually tells us uh, it, was, it was 300 denarii. Uh, one denarius was a day's wage, so this perfume was worth about a year's salary. It was worth about a year's salary. Check the internet, good old Google. Most expensive bottle of perfume around these days is $1.29 million. It's called Shemok. Deserving the highest. Uh, husbands, if you're looking for a, Father's Day, a Mother's Day gift, I mean, sorry, if you're looking for a Mother's Day gift, there's an idea for you, all right? And all the women said? Hmm, maybe not. The um, uh, Bible says, the way you sow, you reap. Just remember, it's Father's Day next week. Huh? Just, just, just putting it on the record, there's nothing. Uh, text tells us that Judas uh, saw this and he objected. Uh, he said, what a waste of money. Why, why didn't they sell the perfume and give it to the poor? Um, what Jesus said sounded fair, but John was... Uh, John tells us uh, what was really going on here, what his real motive was. He says, he didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself uh, to what was put into it. And here was Judas who was seeing an opportunity to take some money and he complains. And he uses this excuse of giving to the poor. Jesus then says the reason why she was doing this was to prepare His own body for burial, which was going to happen in a few days' time. Now, notice there are two key people in the story. There's Mary and there's Judas. Um, These two people represent two kinds of people. And I wonder, who do you identify with in the story? Uh, Was it with Mary who gives this extravagant gift to Jesus, this incredible outpouring? Or uh, do you identify with Judas who was kind of disturbed a little bit with this gift? And um, the reality is... Uh, there's a Mary and there's a Judas in all of us. And I don't know about you, but as I kind of read the story, I kind of think, well, well, maybe Judas had a bit of a point. Do I have any friends in the congregation? No, you guys are spiritual. That's fine. Um, the reality is that there's a Mary and there's a Judas inside all of us. See, Mary represents generosity and Judas, selfishness. And every time we have an opportunity to be generous, every time we have an opportunity to give, we will experience the battle, the tension, the struggle between the desire to give and be generous and this pull towards selfishness. Doesn't matter what kind of giving it is. It can be our time, information, knowledge, or even financial giving. All of us will experience this tension between, between wanting to be generous and this pull towards selfishness. I want you to know the Bible is really clear about this. It's really clear about the fact that one of the characteristics of a follower of Jesus Christ ought to be generosity. 
that the more we walk with God, the more time we spend with God, the more like Jesus we become, the more generous we will actually be. That the more we walk with God, the, the closer we become like Jesus, the more generous we will actually be. Less attached we will be to things and to status. And the overwhelming desire, naturally, it's not going to be something that's forced. It's not going to be something that has to be sort of manipulated. Just the natural desire is going to be to be generous and to give and to bless others. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. The word blessed there is the word happier. It's happier to give than, than to actually receive. Last year I went to a seminar, I think I spoke about this already, but last year I went to a seminar, it was a psychology seminar, it was on happiness, how you can experience happiness. A lot of research being done on how people can experience happiness. Lo and behold, one of the things, without looking at the Bible, but one, of, one of the things that they said, hey, if you, want, if you want to experience joy, one of the ways that you can experience joy in your life, start giving, be generous. Unbelievable. Unbelievable truth. In fact, one, one of the things for, for people with depression that they say, one, one of the ways you can deal with depression is by, is, by, is by being generous, by giving. Because as we give, there are a whole bunch of endorphins that are released that actually make us feel better. The power of generosity. Jesus says, it's more blessed. You'll be happier when you give than when you receive. Now, some of you are looking at me like you don't believe me and don't believe that's true. You can practice on me, okay? I'll let you practice on me anytime. Just be gracious. Um, let me give you three quick observations from the text. First lesson we learn from the text is that generosity reveals what's in our heart. Generosity reveals what's in our heart. Now, this is a really important principle. God, Listen carefully. God is not interested in our money. God is interested in our heart. God doesn't care about our money. He's not in heaven at the moment looking at the profit and loss, going, ain't calling the, guys, guys, things are not looking good. COVID, things are down. God is not interested in our money. He is interested in our heart. And how we use our money reveals a lot about what's inside of our hearts. You see, what we, we could put on a spiritual facade, we could look spiritual, sound spiritual, talk the talk. But meanwhile, we harbor an attitude of selfishness Selfishness, pride, self-seeking behavior. We can look good on the outside, but on the inside still be harboring wrong attitudes. Pharisees were like this. Pharisees on the outside looked really good. They looked spiritual, sounded spiritual. They had the walk, they had the talk, they had the garment. But inside, they were people of pride. And Jesus calls it out. There are many ways that you can know what's in a person's heart. We can know what's in our own heart by how we think. Just look at how we think. It reveals a lot about what's in our heart. We can know what's in our heart by the way we speak because what's inside of our heart comes, comes out of our speech by the things that we do, the way we behave. And one of the ways the Bible tells us is by looking at our attitude towards our giving. Jesus said this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, your attitude towards finance will tell a lot about what's inside of your heart. Let's go back to the story. Judas is watching Mary pour this expensive perfume on Jesus' feet. Notice, notice his reaction. Well, this could have been sold and given to the poor. And immediately it revealed. There was a, there was a reaction. There was a, there was a reaction of anger as he looked at this, this situation. Immediately it revealed what was really in his heart. 
Reality is Jesus had no intention of helping the poor. It sounded religious, sounded spiritual, sounded like a loving act. John tells us what was really in his heart. He was stealing the money and he was keeping some for himself. And he saw, what he saw was a missed opportunity. Get this because this is really important. Here he was, a disciple of Jesus, looked apart, had the talk, but he was harboring selfishness inside of his heart. And what revealed what was really going on in his heart was, was this opportunity to give. Selfishness always looks at what others have to cover up their own selfishness. It always cares about self, looks after self, cares about status. And it looks for any good reason or kind of... I'm, I've been in church for many years. I've heard all kinds of excuses regarding, regarding giving. And, and, you know, people come up with all kinds of things. And I'm, I'm, I'm just quite simple when it comes to giving. If you don't want to give, then don't give. You should never feel forced to give or, 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 or give because you feel like, oh, I have to do this. No, if you don't want to give, don't give. It's quite okay. The Bible has many, many promises about the blessing of, of generosity. And hey, if you don't want to be part of those blessings, that's fine. It's, it's not a problem at all. So often selfishness comes up with all kinds of excuses to cover up what's really inside of their heart. There's another great example of this in the Bible of a man uh, who comes up to Jesus and he says to Jesus, what do I have to do to have eternal life? Well, Jesus says you have to follow the commandments. Do you know what the commandments are? And Jesus begins to say, don't steal, don't cheat, don't, don't lie, don't commit adultery, blah, blah, blah. And he goes through this list of the 10 commandments. The man looks at that and says, well, that's great because I have, I have observed all of the commandments since I was a young boy. And Jesus says to him, okay, then he says, go and sell everything that you have. Give it to the poor and come and follow me. The Bible says that he went away sad because he was wealthy. Now, what was Jesus doing here? Was, was, was Jesus wanting his money? Was that what he was, was that what, what Jesus wanted? Not at all. What Jesus did was as, as he talked about his money, it revealed what was really in his heart. And what it revealed in his heart was the fact that he had broken the first commandment, which says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This guy loved his money much more than he loved God. And he wasn't prepared to give it away. Just as a side note here, did Jesus not know that Jesus had a problem with money? Did Jesus miss it? If Jesus knew that, that Judas had a problem with money, then why does he put him in charge of the finance? Issue is this, we, we will always be tested in, in our area of weakness. And the, re, the reason we will be tested is not so that we fail. It's to reveal what's in our hearts. And it's to strengthen an area of weakness so that we can overcome and be used by God in the name of Jesus. One of the prayers I pray from time to time, Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. The last thing I want is to have an appearance of spirituality and lack the power of the rock. And, and inside, to be one person on the outside and another person on the inside. I don't want to be that. There's a word for it. It's called hypocrisy. I don't, I don't want that to be part of my life. And so one of my prayers, search me, O God, and know my heart. S see if there's something in me that I don't know about and lead me in the way everlasting. It's a dangerous prayer to pray because God answers those kinds of prayers. And so this, this event revealed what was in Judah's heart, but it also revealed what was in Mary's heart. That's the second point. Second lesson is that generosity is an expression of gratitude. 
Just as this situation revealed what was in the heart of Judas, so too Mary. And you need to remember that months before, Mary's brother Lazarus had died. He was dead for four days, just for the record. He wasn't in a coma. He was really, really dead. Mary and Martha went through the whole funeral procession. They did the whole thing. They grieved. They cried. They wished things could be different. They said to Jesus, well, I wish you were here a few days earlier because you could have done something about this. And along comes Jesus and he resurrects Lazarus out of the grave, resurrects him from the dead. He goes to the tomb and says, Lazarus, come out. And he does. And I love the way John says it in the text. It's this little phrase. It says, Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. I mean, John is kind of talking about the scene and Lazarus was reclining at the table with them. You know, he's kind of sitting at the table. Hello, this guy was dead a few weeks earlier. (laughs) Of course he was. Mary feels compelled to show her gratitude to Jesus. She's thinking, well, what can I do? What, What can I do to show gratitude to Jesus? I know, she says, let me invite him over for dinner. And as she does this, she still feels, doesn't feel like it's enough. She still doesn't feel like it's expressed how she's really feeling, the gratitude that she's feeling inside. And then she has this idea, I know, I've got this expensive bottle of perfume. I'm going to give this to Jesus. The gift was an expression of a gratitude to Jesus. Um, Listen, church, some people criticize us as Christians because we give to the church. Because we tithe, because we are generous towards the house of God. Um, they think, oh, these people, they've been brainwashed, manipulated, controlled. Heard it all before. But what they don't know is that we were dead. Not physically, but we were dead on the inside. We were struggling, we were lost. We had messed up our lives so much, we were living in darkness. But there was a day when we met Jesus where Jesus came to our gravesite, where Jesus came and he shouted, Lazarus, come out. When we gave our life to Jesus, our life was radically changed. It's like our eyes were opened and and now we can see. Now, Now we have the joy of the Lord. We have the peace of God. We have hope for eternity. We have a reason to live. Jesus has made such an incredible change and transformation in our hearts and lives spoke to this guy we had a funeral here early on in this week and I was speaking to this guy serves uh, at our feeding the needy uh, program here doesn't come to our church goes to another church he says I was invited to church one time and I went Um, and he said I had the good sense of of uh, of going back again and again and again and then then one day he said while I was in church the penny dropped and he says I met Jesus And my life has never been the same since. And I I could just see the joy on his face. The the, the joy as he was describing the change and the transformation that Jesus had brought in his life. It it was just amazing. And church, when you've experienced this, the overwhelming response towards God is gratitude. It's just gratitude. It's, Lord, I just thank you. Lord, I, I just can't believe that I never saw this before. What, 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 what was I think? I just, I just thank you, Lord God. I thank you, I thank you, I thank you, Lord God. just want to express my gratitude and thanks to God. How, how do we express our gratitude to God? We do it with our words. We've done it this morning during, this morning during the worship service. As we worshiped unto God, we, we've just said, thank you, God. You're an amazing God. You're an amazing God. 
We do it with praise. We do it with our actions. We serve God. We become the hands and the feet of Jesus. Because of what Jesus has done in our lives, we cannot but go to Jesus and say, Lord, what would you have me to do? What do you want me to do, Lord God? I'll do anything for you, Lord. Another way we do it is through our giving. It expresses the gratitude that's in our hearts. And there's a number of examples of this in Scripture. Um, one of them is in the life of Solomon. Solomon had become king and um, according to the requirements, he was to offer a burnt offering to the Lord. That's what he needed to do. He became the king. That's what he needed, needed to do as per the Old Testament requirements. The Bible says he sacrificed 1,000 burnt offerings. Solomon is wanting to express his gratitude to God for what he had done. And he, and, he, and he expresses a thousand burnt offerings to the Lord. You, you, you've got to understand Solomon's story to understand what was happening in his life and in his heart. This, this wasn't your, your typical story. His, his life story wasn't, wasn't a typical story. I mean, I mean his, his, uh, his dad, David, uh, commits uh, adultery with his mum, Bathsheba. You know the story. Not pretty. And uh, then... Uh, then, uh, you know, David organises for, for his, her husband to, to, uh, to be killed and on and on and on and on. I mean, it, it's, it's not a pretty past. And I can imagine as, 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 he's, as God has chosen him, it's very clear that God has chosen him to become the next king of, of, of Israel. And, and as he's there in that position, he cannot but express incredible gratitude to God. Because he could have so easily been in another place. He could so easily have been somewhere else. But as he experiences the love and the grace of God, he cannot but express an incredible... No, one sacrifice is not going to do. I want to sacrifice a thousand offerings unto God. And there are some of us, our story isn't pretty. I don't know where we would be without God. We were lost. We were away. We were, we were in a ditch. We were, we, were, we, were, we were at the bottom of the bottom of the bottom. And somehow God came down to the bottom where we were and he shouted our name. He said, Lazarus, come out. And we experienced his love and his grace and his acceptance and hope. And, 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 and the natural response to that is gratitude towards God. I thank you. 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 Go back to the New Testament and Jesus is in the temple. Where does he sit in the temple? Uh, he's watching as people are giving. It's very, very not good. He's watching what people are giving in the offering. Apparently it was important to him. I don't know why. Bible says many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything all she had to live on. Because God is not interested in our money. What he's interested in is our hearts. And a thousand sacrifices. God is, oh, a thousand. No, it's what it represented for Solomon. Two coins, two cents, two pennies was equivalent to a thousand. Because it represented the gratitude that she had towards God. The third lesson from the text is that generosity will be rewarded. Story is also recorded in Mark. Actually, it's recorded in all of the, all the Gospels. The Bible says that when, she saw her, when, when they saw her pour this perfume on Jesus' feet, I, I love the way Mark puts it. He says, they rebuked her harshly. Jesus defends her. I love that. And says she did what she could. She poured perfume. 
on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. 2,000 years later, we're still talking about this woman. 2,000 years later, we're still talking about Mary and her generosity. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Back to the story of Solomon. Solomon, in wanting to express his gratitude to God, he sacrificed a thousand burnt offerings. I can imagine his assistants going, Solomon, what are you doing? Okay, you want to show your gratitude? Maybe two, four, five, maybe 10 sacrifices. Why a thousand? He didn't understand how much uh, gratitude Solomon had for God. And God is so moved by this gesture that he appears to him in a dream that night. And he says to Solomon, ask for whatever you want and I'm going to give it to you. It's just, it's just, it's just an amazing thing. So, Solomon sacrificed a thousand burnt offerings as an expression of his gratitude towards God. I was in a ditch, but you, you saved me. And, and, and as an expression, he comes to that. God sees this and he's so moved. He appears to him in a dream and he says, ask whatever you want and I'm going to give it to you. Solomon thinks and he's, he was so smart. Solomon says, I want riches and wealth and honor. Is that what he asked? He says, I want wisdom. God says to him, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never, never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. Solomon expresses his gratitude and devotion to God and knows what happens. God appears to him. God speaks to him. God blesses him. And God is still wanting to do that. God is still doing that to people who express their love for God and their honor for God. God is a reward of those who diligently seek him. Solomon was also responsible for building the temple of the Lord. Not only does it happen to individuals, it happens corporately. On the day they dedicated the temple to the Lord, the Bible says... They sacrificed so many sheep and cattle that they could not be recorded or counted. And notice what happened. When the priests withdrew from the holy place, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord. And the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled his temple. God God is watching how they are honoring him in such a profound way. And he says, I want to be close to that. That's where I want to be. That's where I want to be. God is a rewarder of a generous spirit. I pray that as a church, we will always cultivate a generous spirit. And the thought is really simple. Just allow the Holy Spirit to guide you in the area of giving. I like what Paul says to the Corinthians. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. That's for all the mums for Father's Day next week. So anyway, sorry, 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 sorry. sorry. The promise of a generous spirit. It's powerful. It's a promise. That's not just in Corinthians. Go to the Old Testament and you'll see. Honor the Lord with the first fruits of your wealth and your barns shall overflow. And I know it's talking, it's Old Testament, it's a... It's a, you know, uh, an agricultural kind of thing, but it's, it applies to us as well. Honor the Lord with the first fruits. Honor, honor the, give the Lord the first and God will bless you in amazing ways. Why do we meet on a Sunday? It's the first day of the week. 
I want to encourage you when you wake up in the morning, give the, give the first few minutes of your day, give it to God. Your day will be a different day. Something very powerful about, Lord, I just want to honour you. Lord, I just worship you. Lord, I glorify you. Lord God, use me today, Lord God. I want to honour you. Just do that before you even get out of bed. Read your Bible. Grab a chapter out of your Your day will be different because you've given God the first. Verse 7. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Never give reluctantly and never give under compulsion. Never, never, never. For God loves a cheerful giver. Just give out of joy. Well, you know, and one of the concerns I have as a leader, preaching a message like this, I don't want anybody to feel guilty or feel like I'm trying to manipulate you in some way. I, I, that's not the purpose at all of this. I do want to encourage you and challenge you. I've been challenging myself in this area. Give cheerfully as you're led by the Holy Spirit. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good, it's beautiful, every good work. When you put God first, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek first, put God first in every area of your life and all these things shall be added unto you. Everything else shall be added. It's not just just finance, it's everything. Delight yourself in the Lord. And He will give you the desires of your heart, says the psalm. It's one of the foundational scriptures in my life. Delight yourself in God. Put Him first. Love God. Put Him in the first place. And everything else, He will give you the desires of your heart. One more example of extravagant giving in the Bible. It's found in a verse that we all know. It's found in a verse... In John 3.16 For this is how much God loved the world that He gave His one and only unique Son as a gift. So now everyone who believes in Him will never perish but experience everlasting 